1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter number 1, 1 Timothy chapter number 1, and we look forward to what the Lord has for us this morning, and do want to remind you about the service tonight at 6 o'clock, Lord willing, I'll be in this same chapter this evening, and this morning we're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter number 1, and I'm going to begin reading in just a moment in verse number 12. Of course, uh, this epistle, this letter uh, to Timothy is from the Apostle Paul, uh, who is writing to his son in the faith. There's much that we can learn from this book, the book of 2 Timothy, but I want to draw our attention this morning <clears throat> to the first chapter, beginning with verse number 12, and we'll read down uh, a few verses through verse number 17. <clears throat> Follow along as I read, beginning in verse number 12. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Howbeit, for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering, for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I want to take this passage of Scripture, and I want us to keep our Bibles open this morning, but we're going to look specifically at a phrase in verse number 16. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first Christ, Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering. Now notice these next few words. For a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Paul here writes many things by way of testimony that we're going to look at this morning. But in verse number 16, he tells us, he tells Timothy, tells us here today, the Lord has preserved this for us today, for us to see that he said, the Lord has done all of this for it, and he's done it, and it's a miraculous thing. But one reason he's done it is for a pattern. This morning, I want to use this verse, this passage of Scripture, to ask us a question. What kind of pattern are you? What kind of pattern are you? Father, help us this morning as we look into the Word of God. May our hearts be open to you. May we allow the Spirit of God to work in our life this morning. May we allow the Word of God to be real to us. May we allow the Word of God to uh, speak to us, to work in our heart today. And Father, there's one unsaved. I pray they'll get saved today. Yeah, the, the Christian who's discouraged, may they be encouraged by being reminded of what you've done in their life. And Father, may we all be challenged, uh, challenged to be a pattern, the right kind of pattern to others. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. A pattern is a model prepared for imitation. That's its purpose, is so it can be copied. That which is to be copied, that is a pattern. Paul realized his responsibility to be a pattern for others after they received Christ as their Savior. Likewise, you and I need to understand and accept the responsibility we have to be a pattern and the right kind of pattern for those 
who might be associated with us. Uh, a pattern, a model prepared for imitation. That's his purpose. Would it not change our focus on life if we looked at our life in that regard? Our life, many times as a Christian, we look as just to uh, live it in order to please ourselves, just to meet our own needs, just to uh, get to the end and get through life with as many, with as limited obstacles as possible. But would it not change our thinking? Would it not change our focus if we looked at our life as a pattern for others to follow? What kind of pattern are you? Your life is a life that should be copied or imitated. Let me say that to you again, and I want it to sink in. Your life is a life that should be copied or imitated. Now, I don't want you to put all the responsibility on the pastor this morning, and yes, the pastor is to be an example. The pastor is to live a life uh, that is an example. But friend, according to the Word of God, according to what we see in Scripture this morning, your life is to be a pattern for others to follow. So let me ask you the question, what kind of pattern are you? Would a new Christian become more like Christ by copying your life? Paul is writing that after his salvation, God did some things so that he might be a pattern. A pattern to other Christians? Certainly. A pattern to this world? Certainly. But specifically to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. To those he knew that would trust Christ. To those that he was directly involved in them trusting Christ. He knew that he was to be a pattern for a new believer to follow. Now with that in mind, let me ask us all the question again. Would a new Christian, somebody who's just trusted Christ as their Savior, would they become more like Christ by copying you? Now, let me just interject right here in case there's someone in the, in the audience that would say, uh, well, well, Pastor, they're not supposed to follow man. They're supposed to just follow God. Hey, if you'll set your piousness aside just for a moment, and let me bring some Bible into this. Paul even said himself, follow me as I follow Christ. Uh, follow me as I follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's be honest this morning. The Lord involves his people in giving a pattern for the work of God and a pattern for others to follow. So would a new Christian become more like Christ by copying your life? This is a key principle in the life of a Christian. Now, I believe, and if you're a member of this church, you know what this church, where we stand on this, the issue of being separated from the world. I believe, the Bible teaches, we believe as a church that God's people should be different. We're saved. We're redeemed. We're washed by the blood of the spotless lamb. We are a child of God. I am a joint heir with Christ, meaning everything that he received, I'm going to receive that as well. I am a citizen of another country. We are supposed to live different because we are different. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what we believe. But can we not look at this in a way that we presented this morning 
the key principle in the life of a Christian. Some of you need to start think, stop thinking about, well, what I can't do is start thinking about, I'm supposed to be a pattern for a new Christian. I've got, I've got, I've got three children, and, and they remind me of that all the time. I got, I've got three children, and the moment I became a parent the first time, I realized that there's some things that had to be set aside if I'm going to be the right kind of example. If I'm going to fulfill my responsibility. I mean, what would that child think of, their, of a parent who always walks around? Well, I can't. I used to be able to go out and do stuff with my friends. But since I got this kid, I can't do that anymore. Well, we used to have nice things. Not anymore. I mean, what, how would that child feel if all they ever heard was, well, if it wasn't for you, I could still be, you would say, Pastor, that's horrible. That'd be a horrible parent. That poor child, not to know what it feels like to be loved, and they need to be taken out of that home, and they need, oh, we could go on and on and on with all the virtue signaling that we like to do today, and all the, oh, look, that's just horrible. But yet, we as God's people look at the Christian life, and instead of looking at it as, I have a responsibility to be a pattern. I have a responsibility to be a parent. I accepted that responsibility. I have a responsibility as a Christian to set a pattern for another Christian. See, I don't look at it. I've gotten beyond that in my Christian life of looking at the the do's and the don'ts and, oh, I, I can't do this and I can't do that. I don't want to be a stumbling block to another child of God. I want to fulfill my responsibility to be a pattern. There's enough examples in this world of those who claim the name of Christ that set a poor example. Wouldn't God's people rise up and say, I, like the Apostle Paul, want to be a pattern of what somebody should do as a new Christian, and that pattern will point them to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a key principle in the life of the Christian. And only you can set that as a priority. I can preach it as I'm preaching it this morning. The Bible can speak of it as the Bible speaks of it this morning. But only you can set that as a priority. Only you can determine that you're going to live your life day after day after day with the responsibility of being a pattern at the forefront of every decision you make. Only you can set that priority. So he said by way of introduction this morning, would a new Christian become more like Christ by copying your life? We've also said this is a key principle in the life of a Christian. If a Christian would grab a hold of this this morning, it would transform your life. It it would, it would enable you to make a difference in the life of others. And only you can set this as a priority. So what kind of pattern are you? This morning, I want us to look into our text, and I want us to see what kind of a pattern the Apostle Paul was. Of course, you and I know that the Apostle Paul was greatly used by God. Perhaps used in a a greater way than any other man uh, that ever walked the planet. He was greatly used by God. In In the gospel to the Gentiles, you and I are a benefit of that today. 
But I want us to see what kind of pattern he was. Look with me again in verse number 12. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Now notice verse 13. Who was before. Got to circle that little word before. A blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. And then in verse number 15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Number one, Paul was a pattern of transformation. What he was before, when he writes, the, 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 he writes Timothy, he is not now. And can I say to all of us here this morning, how many of you are saved on your way to heaven? Let me see your hand. What you were before is not what you are now. You know what this world needs to see? That what you were before you were saved, that transforming power of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're different after you're saved. And friend, this morning, it doesn't matter what kind of sinful life you live before salvation. It is washed under the blood of the Lamb. It is forgotten. It is forgiven. And what a new Christian needs to see, what a baby Christian needs to see, what other Christians need to see, is you're not the same as you were before you got saved. Paul presented a pattern of transformation. There are some of you sitting in the, in the service this morning. You could be a greater light to this world than this pastor can. You could be a greater example to a new Christian than this pastor can. You can be a greater example uh, to another church member than this pastor can. See, I have a testimony that I'm proud of. I have a testimony that, that, that I'm thankful for. I grew up in a Christian home. I was saved when at just almost five years of age. I didn't have, I was a sinner on my way to hell, but I didn't have a whole lot to confess at that point. I hadn't robbed the bank yet. I hadn't lived out on Skid Row. And I praise God for that. But there's a lot of people who will get saved and they'll look at the pastor and say, well, that's different for him. But friend, you got saved out of a life that is similar to theirs, and you can serve as a great testimony, a great pattern. I might not have been able to grow up like that. And by the way, let me just say, before I, I move any further, to all the children in the service this morning, all of the teenagers and all the young adults, you be thankful you grew up in a Christian home. You be thankful that you were saved at a young age. You be thankful that you didn't have to go and experience this world to realize that there was, is a hell, that you're on your way there, and, and you needed Christ as your Savior just like somebody else. You be thankful for that. But Paul, that was not his testimony. Paul is a blasphemer. He said who was before. He showed himself to be a pattern. Of transformation. You know what makes a ripple at work? Somebody gets saved. They used to go out on Friday night and party like a lost man, but they don't now. You know what makes a ripple amongst family and extended family? When, the, when you get together after not being together, words that used to be said are not said anymore. Habits that used to have are not had anymore. There's a pattern of transformation. And can I just interject on a Sunday morning 
in the month of December, that, that, that so many times we as Christians give a bad testimony to this world because we're just as miserable as they are. We don't live in victory. We, 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 we have no change in our life. Why would somebody want what you have if, if you're just as miserable as they are? We just set a pattern of transformation. Number two, Paul Paul's life was a pattern of Christ's abundant grace. Verse 13, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Now Paul admits that he was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and injurious. If there's anybody that deserved hell, it was Paul. But he said, I obtained mercy. And by the way, if you're not on your way to hell this morning, you obtain mercy. Because I did it ignorantly, ignorantly in unbelief, verse 14. And the grace of our Lord. Why did he obtain mercy? Because he had a religious pedigree? Oh, no. Was it because he was politically connected? Oh, no. It was because of, of, of the grace of our Lord, which was exceeding abundant. I love those words, exceeding abundant. And Paul showed his life to be a pattern of Christ's abundant grace. That grace was exceeding abundant. It was enough to cover the sins. It was enough to, 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 for the apostle Paul. To, he was enough grace to receive that mercy. Uh, even though he had sinned, as very few had sinned, even though he was a blasphemer and a persecutor, God's grace was abundant let me put it like this in terminology we'll understand. There were people who looked at the Apostle Paul and said, if God can save him, I know he can save me. Because of the life Paul had lived. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if instead of using your life before you got saved as an excuse, you let the devil continue to park on your shoulder and tell you, Ah, nobody could save you from that. And continue to make you feel guilty. Won't you just set yourself as a pattern of Christ's abundant grace? There was enough grace to save. And can I say this morning, if you're here and you're lost, there's, there's enough grace to save the Apostle Paul. There's enough grace to save you. But might I interject That if Christ's grace was enough to cover all your sins, His grace is enough for you to overcome the results of your sins. If I could use this particular thing as an illustration, if Christ could save, His grace is enough to save the drunkard. His grace is enough for him to overcome the alcohol. His grace is abundant. It's one thing. I don't, in this particular thing popped in my mind this morning, it's one thing to encounter somebody who's been enslaved 
by, by, that, by, by, by the horrible uh, creation of Satan himself, the alcohol, the strong drink. It, it's, it, it's horrible that one is enslaved in that, but you can encounter somebody who's enslaved by it, and they can be saved. Why not get victory from it? Why not be a pattern? There's that old song, I'll, not, I'll spare you from singing it this morning. I thank God I'm not what I used to be. I don't go to the places that I used to go. Don't do the things that I used to do. What is that? That's the grace of God. Paul was a pattern of his exceeding and his abundant grace, number three. We find in verse number 12, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. Hey, don't get out of the habit of thanking Jesus for saving you. Thanking Jesus for changing you. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me. Paul was also, number three, a pattern of Christ enabling. Listen very carefully. The word enable means to, to grant, to, to be granted sufficient power. What Paul is saying is he was granted sufficient power goes on to say to be faithful in putting him into the ministry. Paul, in verse 13, we've already seen, he, before he was a blasphemer, before he was a persecutor, before he was injurious, meaning he injured other people. He hurt the cause of Christ. Now, verse 14, we see, by the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant. He received mercy. He, he testifies in verse 13, the grace of God in verse number 14. But in verse number 12, it's important for us to be reminded that, he, yes, he is in the ministry. Yes, he was counted faithful. Yes, now he is serving the Lord. And we see in our text in verse number 16, he realizes his responsibility to be a pattern for those others who would receive Christ as their Savior. But all of that can take place. He can be a pattern for the new Christian. He can, be, he can, he can travel and preach and plant churches and and encourage, encourage believers. He can do all of that. Why? Because Christ enabled him. He gave him, he granted him sufficient power to do that. Yes, he was saved as a blasphemer. He was saved as a persecutor. And what it took place in the life of Paul that would give him the opportunity and the ability to now influence others. It was it his talent? No. Was it his ability? No. Was it his his pedigree? No. What was it? He was enabled by the one who saved him. He was enabled by the Lord Jesus Christ. He was granted sufficient power, meaning he did not have the power to do this. He did not have the ability to do this, but he realized that upon his salvation and after his salvation, the same, the same Savior who saved him, the same God who granted him mercy, was the same God who granted him the power, the ability 
to do the work that God had for him to do. Let me put it where we, we will understand it. He enabled him to grow as a Christian. He will enable you to change your habits. I just, I, 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 let me just say it so, so you can continue to, to, to know me better. At, but I just, so if you and I ever have to uh, tackle something together, you'll understand. I just don't do well with the fatalistic mentality. It's no use. That's not what I find in my Bible. Well, I can just never get over that. Why would you limit Christ in your own life? Well, say, I just couldn't ever get able, and then we blame God for not allowing us to get over it. There are some things, don't miss this, humanly speaking, you will never overcome them. But God can enable you to. How can somebody who lived a life of, de of degradation and sin and filth and lived in the gutters of this world, and if, if whatever, you name it, I did it, how can God pull them out of that, grant them mercy, but for the love of God, the grace of God? But then upon salvation, how can they be cleaned up and become a useful vessel for God? They have to be enabled. Just like, I hope this helps us this morning, just like none of us are worthy of salvation. Let me ask you again this morning, how many of you are saved? Nobody's worthy of that. That's why when we ask that question and we raise our hand week after week, we, that should never get old to us. Because I'm not worthy to testify that I've been saved. But let me take that a step further, Christian. None of us are worthy to serve him. None of us are worthy to sing the songs that we had an opportunity to sing unto him this morning. And by the way, why wouldn't you sing the songs that you had when you had an opportunity to sing unto him this morning? We're not worthy of that. Well, how can God take us as a sinner and save us and then allow us to sing unto him? Allow us. Some of you used to sing different songs than you sang this morning. You lived a different way. You guarded a different door than the one you ushered at this morning. How did that happen? Yes, it was God's mercy. Yes, it was God's grace. But what helped you get over that sin that grabs a hold of you? And let me just interject a warning this morning to those who have grown up in a Christian home and you have been sheltered from this world. Don't go out there and try the sin because it will entangle you, ensnare you. It's a lot easier to get in that pit than get out of it. But you can't get out of it. How? To be granted sufficient power, to be enabled. See, child of God, this morning, you, you can overcome. Paul's life was a pattern of Christ's enabling. The life that Paul lived now as he was serving God, every time he encountered a Christian, because of his testimony, they knew that it was something that only God could do. Could you imagine how much hope the Apostle Paul gave to people 
who had lived a similar life? Well, if he can get over it, if he can go through that, God can still use him. God can still use me. Paul, how, how, how were you able to do that? Only because Christ enabled me. He granted me sufficient power. Can you imagine how much your life can encourage somebody else? Oh, look what God has done with them. I know the only, I know the only explanation is that God has been in that. Let me make... A couple more statements on this point. We'll get to the final one. As a Christian, you must not depend on the things the world depends on to get by or what you depended on before your salvation. This world will depend on so many things trying to overcome in their life. You want to sell a lot of books, just put the word overcome on it. But how are we going to overcome? We have to be enabled by the power of God to do it. Okay, pastor, you've got my attention. I see what Paul's saying. They'd be able, enabled with the power of God. How? Very quickly. You're enabled with the Spirit of God. You're saved this morning. The Spirit of God lives within you. Well, I can never get rid of those sinful appetites. You have the Spirit of God that lives within you. I can never, I can never get over my anger and my bitterness. You have the Spirit of God that lives within you. I, I could never uh, uh, do anything but hang my head with, 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 with shame being around God's people. Oh, you've got the Spirit of God within you. But you've also got the Word of God. You can't receive sufficient power without the Word of God in your life. Some of you can testify this morning that you're where you are in your Christian life and you never thought you'd get there. It's because you just came to church and listened to the Word of God. And whatever the Word of God said, that's what you did. And somehow you, you got yourself in the Word of God and maybe just a chapter at a time, but you allowed the power of the Word of God to enable you. Friend, let me tell you where you can get some confidence if God has said that if you're struggling with something and God gives you a promise that you can overcome it and you don't have to give in to it, that promise is more powerful than anything you face. But you've got to hold to it. You can be enabled by the Word of God. You're enabled by your church. Brother, your brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and, and a principle of God's word that we overlook and it's powerful. It's iron sharpens iron. You need to come to church because some of you can find out you're doing better than you think you're doing. But at the same time, find out you're not doing as good as you could do. How in the world are you going to overcome without the Spirit of God, without the Word of God, without the people of God, without the church? 
That's how we are enabled. That's why we, we grant, we're granted the sufficient power. And the last one I'll mention this morning is you're enabled by a pastor, a shepherd. You cannot dispute this. You cannot deny this. Is God's plan, is God's intention that every child of God, first of all, we know doctrinally speaking, and the reality is they are indwelled by the Spirit of God. He has preserved His perfect Word throughout eternity so that we have the Word of God that we can depend on. How cruel would it be for God to save us and say, you're on your own. You've got nothing to give you direction. You've got nothing to build a life on. He's given us the word of God. He's given us the people of God, the house of God, the church. For, th throughout the, from, the, from the New Testament time, Satan himself has unleashed the attack on the church. The church has been martyred. Because it's what God has established for his people so that they can overcome this world. They can overcome the sin in their life. They can overcome the hold. God's intention is for every believer to have a pastor, to have a shepherd, to help guide them and pray for them. I would dare say this morning... That those who are saved and they don't have victory in their life, they're ignoring the Spirit of God. They don't read and live the Word of God. They're absent from the house of God. And they don't have a shepherd. You find me someone who's willing to, to yield to the Spirit of God, follow the Word of God, show up Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. If there's a special meeting on Tuesday night at 11 p.m., they're there with the people of God. They listen to the pastor that God has given them. They follow the counsel and the advice. Uh, they, 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 they allow uh, the direction to be given from the Word of God. I, I don't care what kind of a life you came out of. I don't care how uh, uh, of a hold sin has on you. If you will surrender to those things that God has given us, to grant us sufficient power, you can overcome whatever it is. You can get rid of the hold in your life. Those appetites will go away. But ignore these things, you'll be a slave to them the rest of your life. But Paul was a good pattern. He said, God's enabled me. How's he enabled me? Well, I've got the Spirit of God. But how's he enabled me? I'm faithful to the house of God. I preach the word of God. I live by the word of God. How, how, how does he enable me? Oh, we've got to have these things in our life if we're going to overcome. He said that pattern of Christian enabling. Hey, don't, 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 don't magnify the problems of this world by you being a quote-unquote victim. Well, I just have all these diseases I have. Hey, by labeling sin a disease, you know you're minimizing real diseases. Number one, 
And you're putting a limit on my God. The problem is we're not enabled. Yes, humanly speaking, you can't overcome them. But I can be enabled. Number four, he set a pattern of what he could become, what somebody could become. There's a verse number 12. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Paul was a pattern of what somebody could become. We know before he was a blasphemer. We know before he was a persecutor. We know before he was injurious. Oh, he just better be lucky God saved him. But God would never use him. Because we allow Satan to convince us that just like you have to earn your way to heaven, which we know is a lie, you have to earn your way into God using you. Now, there's certain price we have to pay, and there's certain things that we must be obedient to, but let me remind all of us, in the context I want to present this this morning, there's none of us deserve to be saved. There's none of us deserve to be able to serve Him. But I want you to notice this, a pattern of what you could become. He said, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that He counted me faithful. See, Paul did overcome. He did become faithful to the Word of God. He was not content with keeping one foot into the world as, as he lived before he got saved and yet enjoying the benefits of salvation. He left those things and he proved himself to be faithful. Then God put him into the ministry. Now, for the ministry of Paul, we know he was an apostle. We know that he traveled and he started churches and he preached the word of God and he took the gospel uh, to the Gentile people. We know that's what God had for him. But let me tell you, if there was a ministerial association in that day, he would not have gotten the approval. But God enabled him. God found him faithful. Paul became a pattern of what you could become if you just gave your life to God. I wonder this morning, who else would be convinced that they could serve God if you would? I wonder this morning, let me tell you what's going to happen in, in the coming weeks and the year 2020. There are people, just as happened in 2019, are going to walk in these doors for the first time. They're going to hear the gospel preached, and they're going to, by the moving of the Spirit of God, they're going to fall into conviction. They're going to accept Christ as their Savior. Now they're a new Christian. But that devil, he's going to come fight them. He's going to try and convince them that they're not really saved. And then he's going to tell them, well, you can never do anything for God. Why try? Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing? God's people just said, Lord, if you'll count me faithful, I'll sing in that choir. If you'll count me faithful, 
I'll be an usher. If you'll count me faithful, I'll work in the nursery. If you'll count me faithful, I'll drive a church bus. If you'll count me faithful, I'll teach a Sunday school class. If you'll count me faithful, you don't even have to give me a title. I'll just take it upon myself to pray for the people who sit on my row. God, if you'll count me faithful, I don't have to have a title. I just promise you I'll show up to church every week with a smile on my face, and, I, and I'll, just, I'll just greet everybody, and I'll just do everything I can to let people know that I'm glad to see them. If you'll count me faithful, I wonder... I wonder, I wonder, we hear the testimony of, oh, brother so-and-so and and sister so-and-so. It was their example that that showed me, and God used that so that I I could serve God. But I wonder how many would never serve God because we did not set the pattern. We did not do what we were supposed to do. We did not decide to be faithful. I wonder who else would serve if you would get over yourself. Say, God, enable me. Let's just establish it right now. You're not worthy to be saved. I grew up in a pastor's home. I grew up in church, and I was unworthy to be saved. But by the mercy of God, we can rejoice this morning and say, I'm a child of the king. I'm on my way to heaven. I'll never give an account of my sin. And it's not because I deserved it. It's because of God's mercy and because of his grace that I can say that. But we are unworthy to serve him. We are unworthy to speak his name. We are unworthy to do anything for our God because he is Holy. But I stand here today and I cannot tell you I'm worthy to preach from behind this pulpit. But I can tell you I've been enabled. I can tell you none of you put me here, but God did. I know who I am. I know what I am. I know what I'm worthy of and what I'm unworthy of. But at the same time, I can stand here to say, to God be the glory, I've been enabled. Because God counted me faithful. Can I tell you something, choir? You're not worthy to sing in that choir. You're not worthy. But you're enabled. Hey, you're not worthy, usher. To be a doorkeeper in the house of God. But you can be counted faithful. God said, I'll enable you. How many times has somebody stood in a little Sunday school class, as happened this morning, and there's little boys and girls, and and they know what they were saved out of, and God knows what they were saved out of. And are they really, you think we're really worthy to hold God's perfect words in our hand? Do you really think we're really worthy to hold the, what God says he puts above uh, all things? Do you really think we're worthy to hold this perfect book and teach others? Oh, no. But we can with confidence because, first of all, we know it's the word of God. We can with confidence because we have been enabled. 
And it is God who counts us worthy and puts us into the ministry. Can I tell you this morning, God has given us the church to help strengthen us so that we can set a good pattern. But God has also given us the church to give us a place to serve him so that we can reach other people with the gospel. So that we can set a pattern on the new Christian and say, hey, you can have victory over your sin. You can have victory over the things of this world. You can serve God as God's intention for everybody to be in the ministry, for everybody to be serving. And some of you, you could serve today if you desire to. Pastor, I just don't think, I, hey, get enabled. God will grant you the adequate, but the, one of the problem is you got to be found faithful. This, this hasn't happened, but I think it's a good example. Pastor, I'd like to, I'd like to sing the solo. But you can't show up for practice. You're not kind of faithful. I don't know why pastor won't let me serve in this capacity. Pastor don't know if you're going to be here or not. You've got to be found faithful. See, quit focusing on what this person thinks and that person thinks and this world thinks. We have a God who has saved us. And we had to humble ourselves in his presence to receive salvation. The same is true for us to set a right pattern. So what kind of pattern this morning are you setting? I thank God for the Apostle Paul and his pattern. I thank God that he has placed other people in my life through my lifetime who've set a good pattern. But as we conclude this morning, I don't want to talk about them. I want to talk about you. I want to talk about me. What kind of pattern are you setting? Are you still using it as an excuse? Of what you did before you were saved? Or can I just say, what you did after you were saved? And you won't get victory? over what God's done in your life. Set a pattern. Be in church because it honors God, but be in church because it sets a pattern for somebody else. Sets a pattern. Hey, what kind of pattern are you? I, I believe this morning Christians need to get enabled. Rejoice in your transformation. Get an understanding of what God could do with you and the example that he, you would set if you would allow him to use you. Father, I pray this morning that what has been said, the Holy Spirit will use.